This is Conversations with Corliss, the leadership podcast that gives you real and authentic advice that can help you change your life for the better. Here we will listen to stories and have conversations with people who are just like you, people who are chasing their dreams and making them happen. Your host Corliss is a modern day purpose-driven leader. As an entrepreneur, she has developed a multi-million dollar business, leading thousands of people to discover their potential and reach their personal goals, all while balancing the responsibilities of raising her three children. She is a powerful, inspirational speaker, a certified success principles coach, and the founder and CEO of Corliss Co. Consulting Incorporated. Hi everyone, this is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it, my name is Corliss and I'm so glad you are here. I love hanging out with people who are motivated to be more and do more. It's exciting to be surrounded by positive people who want to grow and live to their full potential. I know that's you or you wouldn't have landed here. My goal in bringing you this podcast is to help you take control of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Today's episode is being brought to you by Prairie Laser Ink and Toner located in the beautiful community of Stonebridge in Saskatoon. Ink and Toner is an everyday essential for both business and home use. Prairie Laser Ink and Toner carries the largest number of brand name and compatible ink toner products in Saskatchewan. They can supply all your printing products with next day delivery to your business or home office during COVID. As a business owner myself, I always appreciate such personable service, especially when it saves me time. Prairie Laser Ink and Toner Supply is a family owned and operated Saskatoon business. They put customer service first, guarantee quality products, and will match any competitor's price in Saskatchewan. Support local and contact them today at 306-668-0070 or visit their website at prairielaser.com for a free quote or to place your order. This is episode 013, The Process of Change, Growth, and Grief with Diana Koning. When we hear the word grief, we often associate it with the process of losing someone. But for the purpose of this conversation, we are going to talk about not only the stages of grief, but the different kinds of grief we may experience. I feel this to be a truly relevant topic to discuss right now, because through the effects of COVID, we may be grieving the loss of a job, financial security, relationships, or even the way things used to be. There are many different types of grief, and simply stated, grief is loss, and it can come in many different forms. As C.S. Lewis said, no one ever told me that grief felt so much like fear. In times of change and uncertainty, you may find yourself afraid of what may happen and be grieving the comfort of what was. In this episode, we will talk about the normalcy of what you're experiencing and offer you help as you go through this process. Our guest today was the last born to a terminally ill mother and alcoholic family. Diana has been grieving since she entered the world. Her mother lived locked in her body for 27 years before passing away. It was through this experience Diana learned the stages of grief. In 2002, Diana's sister Kimberly 
also ended up with this extremely rare illness, and she passed away in 2013 at the age of 36. Next, Diana's dad lost his battle to alcoholism in 2018. In suffering significant loss by the age of 40, Diana has learned something vital. Grief parallels change and can be a catalyst for growth. She is here today to help you understand the process of grief and help you find peace through understanding. Welcome to the show, Diana. I am so excited to have you here, and I have been so looking forward to this conversation. Thank you for sharing this space with all of us. Thanks for having me, Corliss. I'm really excited to share um, the things that I learned through the grieving process and how I can help people. Well, throughout the introduction, I've already explained that we will be talking about the different types of grief, and I would really like to begin there. Typically, when we hear someone is grieving, we think that they've lost a loved one. But while that is part of it, there are also many other different types of grief. Explain to us what that means. Okay, so grief comes in many forms, as you said. Um, the one that we're most familiar with is when we grieve the loss of a loved one. Um, there's things like losing a job or, like you said, financial security. Um, change, really. Um, you can be the catalyst in making that change and still grieve that change. Um, essentially, it's giving up the, the familiar. And when you give up that familiar routine in your life, it's scary. And grief it also parallels fear. So, you know, we have to learn how to move past that. So I found in my life that through the grieving process, and through the process of losing, losing, say, a relationship that I was in, or maybe a job that I really thought that I was going to go somewhere, and that suddenly changes on me, or I change it, I still grieve that process. I understand this. As a matter of fact, I, I know at one point in my life, I was even grieving the loss of hopes and dreams, the way that I thought it was going to be, or how I thought it was going to work out. And when it didn't work out that way, I felt I was in a grieving process. Have you ever had that experience? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I had a job change in 2017 that I was the catalyst at changing. Um, but I really, you know, I felt in my gut that I needed to go. Um, but I still really, it was really hard for me to leave because it was so familiar and convenient. And I was forced into a comfort zone that I, I did, I, I lost my comfort zone. So when I had to move past that, um, it was very difficult for me. Um, and I look past, you know, past experiences where, you know, people that you dated in the past and, and sometimes that decision's not yours and the rugs pulled out from under you and you're left going, now what? Uh, much similar, very, very similar to how it felt when I would lose someone that was important to me, uh, through grief, through death. Mm. Your story has obviously been riddled with grief, as we heard in the introduction. So tell us a little bit more about what it's been like for you to suffer so much loss. So I was nine months old when my mom was diagnosed with a rare brain atrophy. Um, I was the youngest of four kids, uh, all within six years. So a very busy household, uh, raised on a farm. Um, my dad was thrown into parenthood because back in the 80s, there wasn't a lot of uh, dads that, are, that were totally active in the parenting process. Um, so I started grieving when I started realizing that the things that my mom was losing were the things that I was gaining. And it's, it parallels quite a bit that 
she would learn how or lose her ability to walk. And I was learning how to learning how to walk. So, um, and she lost her ability to speak. And then uh, I was obviously learning how to use language. Um, so then throughout the process of my, my childhood and into my teenage years, I grieved having a normal family. Um, I would go to my friends' houses and see that they had a mom and a dad, and I just really wanted that normalcy. So I like pretty much tried to adopt myself into other people's families because I so craved it. Um, somewhat rejecting my own. Um, I don't exactly regret that because I was trying to get like fill a void, fill something that I needed. But there was a lot of learning there. When my sister got sick um, in 2002 with the same rare brain atrophy, there was actually no name uh, when my mom or my sister was diagnosed. Uh, so in 2002, she was 26, I was 24, and I had become her caregiver. She had moved in with me and we started noticing some things were wrong. She ended up in the psychiatric center uh, where the next day I went and met a team of 10 doctors and brought my mom's file and said, because they told me they had no idea, had never seen this before. So I sat with them and, and showed them, you know, kind of what I had known. And then the grieving process started again as I watched her lose all of her abilities and then succumb to the illness within 10 years. So there was a big process here um, where a lot of change happened and I had a lot of resistance to the change. Um, I felt like when she died, I went into grief for a full year. I would go to work because I had a family to provide for and it was literally just down the street, uh, but I wouldn't go downtown. I couldn't go face people at the grocery store. I live in a small town. Um, not that they aren't good people. It's just, I was, I was really stuck. And then I had to make a decision to move on. That was very hard because I felt like she didn't get the chance, mom didn't get the chance, so I went through survivor's guilt, being the only girl that didn't get sick. Mm. So as I listen to you, obviously, you're, I feel for you and for your story and how this has all played out, but you've said a lot here because grief has a process to it, right? And what I'm hearing is that even in the beginning, you were just grieving the idea that you wanted something different than what you had. And you went through that, that stage and then you felt helpless and that was another stage of grief. So kind of go through and explain with us the process of grief, whatever kind of grief it is, whether it's a loss of a relationship, a job, a comfort that you had, the way things used to be, a, a relationship, whatever it is, there's a process to the whole thing, right? And really, the bottom line is, is that you're suffering a loss of some sort. So can you explain the, the process of grief? Because it is all a process. Yeah, for sure. Um, so initially, I mean, I've lost people via shock. You know, you don't know that you're going to lose them or had something like been laid off from a job and didn't know that that was going to happen. Um, so those are unprepared. And then I've had the grief where it's been what people will come up to you and say, well, it's a blessing. Um, don't say that to people, especially when they're grieving. I mean, it, it is and it isn't, but you don't want to hear it at that point. You know, you still, it's a loss. They're all losses. So initially, no matter if it's expected or not, I kind of go into shock and onto autopilot. So I kind of just get myself through, um, you know, and depending on my role at that time, if I'm immediate family and I have to plan a funeral, then I go into that. 
If I'm a friend, I go in and I try and support the family. Um, and we've actually really worked on with our kids on trying to, you know, make them less afraid of approaching people who are grieving. If they, you know, our kids are at an age where people can be losing their grandparents or great grandparents. Um, and they've just, you know, I've opened that door to say, okay, you know, when someone loses someone, you have to have to go to them. Um, so then my first stage, as I said, is kind of shock. And when it's a job or a relationship, you really are disappointed. And like you said, you lose those dreams and those hopes that you had. And that totally throws you into shock. So I go on to autopilot for a little bit because I need to get through. So autopilot to me is, you know, you, you go through the process of, uh, you know, showering and doing sort of the basics just to get through the day. Sometimes that looks like staying in bed all day. Sometimes that looks like, you know, avoiding to the outside world, but you have to go through a bit of that. Um, don't camp out there and stay there, but then you move, I move on to kind of like into the fear um, where, what am I going to do without these people or without this job or without this relationship? And you don't know what it looks like. So fear of the unknown, all of it is unknown because we've just had our total normal, uh, normal day to day pulled out from us and we don't know where to go next. And I, when I changed jobs, that was a big one for me because I was stepping into something I had, you know, I had experience doing it sort of, but I had never done the full job and this was going to be squarely on my shoulders and I was totally afraid. And then you sit there and go, okay, you got to talk yourself through that because when you're afraid, you can't move into action and eventually you have to get there. And you can go through some anger in this phase as well. Fear, anger is usually a manifestation of fear. So you can be angry, but you're really afraid. Um, and you have, you can go into a depression or a great sadness, um, at that time too. And through that, you know, you just have to always remember that there's a light. Um, I usually try and seek someone out that I trust that I can rely on. I'm a people person, so I need people. Some people aren't, and I respect that. Um, but they feel the same feelings. It's just harder for them to to verbalize them to people and maybe they have a vice that they can find so it's it's letting go of the thought of how things should have been like i used to torment myself that my sister and i should have kids the same age and that we should be at each other's houses visiting and that we were robbed of that and and i was bitter and i was angry but you can't i always say you can camp out there but don't build your house there because you won't be a very happy person if you do things like that um the next one is reflection so i move past my anger fear sadness and i go why like what is this here to teach me and it's easier for me to do that now through all of the different books and podcasts um, that I listen to um, and all my journaling. Uh, before in my 20s, I was just, I was kind of a mess. But as I moved into maturity, I would say, I definitely learned that you have to ask yourself, why is this happening and what can I learn from it? And I think it was when my mom passed, I looked at life and went, okay, now what? Right. And even though she wasn't part of my daily because she was in a home for 27 ish years, 
um, she was still a person that brought me life and a person that I, I didn't know in a conventional sense, but taught me so much. So when I did her eulogy, I really realized that, okay, like, you know, she, she silently taught me her lessons. So there's a lot more to what, you know, look, what things look like. So then you try and move forward and build something, um, through the reflection process and in the reflection process there's things like i said podcasts and journaling meditation and things like that that can hopefully help you past and of course lean on your people um unfortunately some of those people that you thought would be there for you may not be there and it's nothing really against them some people aren't comfortable with grief some people don't know what to say so they don't say anything but i know that they feel the pain for you and that they're probably thinking about you but at the time you can kind of be bitter about it like why aren't they here for me or or why didn't they call but some people are afraid and it goes back to their fear their fear of grief and i like that we're having this conversation because we need to talk about it and we need to remove the stigma that you know grief is is the loss of of grief is lost no matter what it's and comes in all forms Oh, so true. And I've actually been that person before where it's like you just don't know what to say and you feel so bad, you know, because you know somebody's going through something, even whether it's a loss of a loved one or their entire life has fallen apart. Something's happened and it's like you just don't really know what to say, so you just don't say anything at all. So I think that what you're saying here is very valuable to help us just become aware of what people need for support. The other thing that you've said here, and I just kind of want to bring it back to that, is that basically when you're going through grief and the process of grief where you're at is where you are at it's okay to feel it it kind of reminds me of that old saying that it's okay to get down it's just not okay to stay there so you got to pick yourself up i was thinking about when the coronavirus first hit us and almost overnight we found our world just completely different right and i think a lot of people were grieving like the way things were overnight, their lives changed. They lost their jobs, their kids are home. The world as we knew it was different. And even though they weren't calling it grief, I think it was because they were mourning the loss of how things were and an unwanted change that was kind of forced upon them. And through the coronavirus, many people may have started that way, but what they found is the gifts throughout the experience, which I think is a lot of times what happens throughout the grieving process is you come out on the other side with gifts. So let's talk a little bit about how the process of grieving is similar to unwanted change and managing it and how they're the same. Okay, so the process of grieving and change are very similar. Um, you know, when you go through that initial shock, you do it with both things. When you're changing something in your life, you know, when I make changes in my life, there's always that inkling on the inside that something is going to change. That's usually when I know I have to change. Um, before I changed jobs in 2017, I had a real hunch in probably May of that year that things needed to change. I was not happy. I was stressed out. My family was stressed out and it just didn't feel right. And so I started seeking out tools. So you can seek out tools when you grieve and you can seek out tools 
when you're changing something. So in that gut moment when you you know where to go. So I went actually to podcasts and I, I listened to Tony Robbins at the time. And I would go for long walks or bike rides and I'd have my earbuds in and I'd listen to him for a half hour or an hour and every single day. And by the time the job offer came across the table in September, I was prepared for the change as much as I could be. And then when I actually made it, I was totally terrified and regretted it. But I think that was the fear. And just like the fear of not seeing your loved one every day anymore, or being, you know, being a caregiver. For me, I grieved being the caregiver to my mom and my sister. Now, like I was good at caring for other people. And now as much as I, I had my kids and my family, um, I took a lot of purpose from my position as a caregiver. So things like that through my grieving process had to come out. And I had to kind of reconcile the fact that I have to take care of me first and part of that process is trusting that gut feeling. It served me well now because then when I changed my job and like I had said, I listened to that gut to get me there. Had I not gone through the process of the grief, I may not understand what, what my gut's trying to tell me because sometimes we, we fester with energy. We sit there and we're anxious and, or we just know like something's wrong or something's gotta change and we take it to a fear place. But if you can push past the fear, there's a growth place. It's like we've been planted. Um, we're seeds. I'm actually growing some some plants right now this year because of COVID. I'm staying indoors, and I wasn't sure if greenhouses were going to open. And part of my therapy is being a gardener, um, flowers and vegetables. And so I planted some plants or some seeds. And and life is like that. You get planted when you are sitting there in change or in grief you're you feel like you're dark you're in darkness you're alone there's no one around you and it's cold and it's scary and there's no light right because that's where seeds germinate so then there's always someone watering you and some sometimes you don't know who's watering you so i had people watering me bringing me up my family my aunt my close friends they were believing that i could do the job um, and that, and my own, my own counsel believed that I could do the job. I just hadn't had that belief yet, but they watered me and suddenly it's not so dark and scary. And you push past that really hard shell and you start to sprout and it's kind of like grief. I mean, you're sitting in the dark and you've got your friends and other people, family that are above you, watering you, believing in you, trying to help you out through it. And if you you look up, there's always that little tiny glimmer of hope, of light that's there and, it, and it's powerful. And that's why it's hard for us during COVID because we're very connected people, even if we don't think we are. Some people, you know, they can be more introverts. Um, I like my alone time too, but I also feel that part of our, our innateness of being human is that we need connections. So it's really hard when you see someone and you have to stay the two meters away and you're like, this is my best friend. I want to give her a hug or this is my, my aunt. I want to go see her. She's back. And, you know, and you can't, so that, that makes it very hard for us on this end, but there's a lot of growth that can come through the COVID as well, because we can learn different things about 
ourselves and our family and our friends um, and connection. And it's a perfect time to do things like personal growth with your classes, uh, Corliss, and your, you know, your conferences. It's the perfect time to dive right into to personal growth. Mm, I agree. I'm listening to you and I, I just all of a sudden got triggered by something that I didn't even realize I would have never called it grief. But when my daughter started leaving home, because of course I'm a mom of three, and you know, when they were born, from the second that they were born, I was just so committed to being a mother. And I really wanted to be there for my kids, like my mom was there for us. And even if I was working, I mean, my kids were always on my mind and they just became my total and 100% priority and purpose. As they started leaving home, however, I started understanding that this is normal. This is what I want. I want them to grow up, be independent and move out on their own. Yet something in me was so sad. And what I'm recognizing now, what you've kind of triggered me to realize is that it was grief. I was grieving the way things were and that things were changing. And although I wanted them to leave the nest and fly out on their own, it's the ultimate goal of parenthood. I was still grieving the change and the fact that it wasn't going to be the same anymore. And it made me wonder what was next for me. Thank you for, thank you for having me revisit that memory. Cause I think a lot of moms, parents go through that and we don't really know what it is. And yet I think it's grief and it's a process because now fast forward years later that they're, my girls are doing great. They're independent. They're on their own. I'm so happy. And it's actually pushed me in a direction to even follow my heart and reinvent my life. So there's been a lot of gifts out of it. But when I was in it and in the moment, I just couldn't see that night because I was grieving, of course. Yes, for sure. And when you're in it, it, it is really hard to see it, right? And so that's why it's really important to have that network of people um, that you can keep close to you, that kind of keep an eye on you and be like, okay, you know, you're you know, if they have to sit down with you once in a while and just be like, are you okay? Like, or, or just have coffee or have tea or whatever, just, just sit with people. And sometimes nothing has to be said. And that's the funny thing when you're with the right person, silence can say everything, you know, hold their hand. Um, you're right. Like I, I haven't had that yet. Our kids are still at home, uh, but they're almost 16. So we're approaching it quick and they're twins. So it's going to be Instagon and that scares me. And I know I'll probably go through the same thing that you went through the excitement and the fear and the, I know this is right, but it's hard and anything that's hard, it scares us, but it also pushes us to grow. And I think that sometimes we stay in situations that aren't healthy for us because we're so afraid. But if we can push past the fear of the unknown, it's like, I don't know, you know, if someone gets a divorce, I don't know if there's going to be someone else for that person. They don't know if, you know, what that's going to look like financially. Um, but yet, if you push past that fear and you let yourself blossom, really, because you probably will, but you don't know it at the time because you're so, so stuck in the story in your head that things are going to be scary. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just to, to embrace the process and recognize it. I mean, if we can call it and understand that it's grief, like we're just grieving the change, the loss, 
the feeling is somehow acknowledged and somehow you can just may maybe be a little more patient with yourself to understand that this would be a normal feeling for someone to have that's grieving. I also really like what you said about being there for people that have had the experience but that have been through it. And I think it's one of the steps that people can take. I know when I was going through something particularly hard in my life, the people who had never been through that lacked perhaps compassion or understanding. And it, it just it just impacted me because it was like, I thought they could be there for me, but they couldn't be because they'd never had that experience. It was almost perfect strangers who had been through a similar experience that I found comfort in and support because they understood because they'd been through there or through that and they'd gotten through it, right? So somehow that supported me better through the process. And I think for the audience, a, a good idea here would be to just think about who's been through what you're going through. And those are the people that you want to surround yourself with because they'll understand a lot more, I think, especially if they've come out on the other side successfully. Hey everyone, are you missing motivation? Do you have a project you know you should do but you can't seem to get inspired to do it? Are you missing that something that gives you energy to get up and add it in the morning? Or have you found yourself in a new space and are trying to figure out how to restart? Over the past 26 years as an entrepreneur, I have learned a powerful system that works for me to find my self-motivation to set and achieve my goals, and I want to share it with you. My new course is called Seven Steps to Self-Motivation and Success, and it's being offered right now for a massive discount. Go check it out at www.corliss.ca backslash shop backslash seven steps. That's the number seven. Here it is again, www.corliss.ca backslash s-h-o-p backslash seven S-T-E-P-S. You'll be so glad you did. So let's get really kind of point by point. How does a person move forward from loss of any kind? Like what kind of steps can they take? So the steps that I took as an adult are fairly similar to the innate child steps that I took, <laughs> uh, which is interesting because as a kid, uh, you know, growing up with my dad and my three siblings, um, we were kind of taught to push things down <clears throat> and to hide them and to not talk about them. But I was always a talker and I was never good at pushing stuff down. So I was kind of making myself pretty stressed out. In grade three, my grandma died, who happened to be like a second mom to us. Our mom was already in a home. And I had a stomach ache every single day in school and I didn't know what to do. And my teacher was like, no, I don't think you do. Like, it's fine. And I'm like, no, I don't feel good. But that was stress. And so you can be, you know, be aware even of your own kids and how, how it's manifesting in their bodies. So the steps that I took as a kid were to actually go to the Quonset where there was great acoustics, <clears throat> sorry, and sing. So I love to sing. Uh, and then I would write uh, in, a, in a little notebook. So that was a big thing. Both of those things stayed with me. I still find a lot of uh, comfort in music. I find that music says things that I feel. Um, sometimes it's just getting in a vehicle and going for a drive. 
and listening to whatever mood music you need. If it's sad music to get those feelings out, if it's angry music to get kind of the rage out, whatever suits your fancy and fits the situation. Um, writing is pretty much a daily task for me. Um, I am a writer by heart, but I also realize that things, uh, not everybody has that uh, wants to be a writer or, or do writing and, and that sometimes isn't your vice. But you have to kind of try and find your vice. Um, I dove into books and podcasts in 2017. I had always been a reader, um, but I really, really dug in because I really knew I needed to make significant changes um, in my life and about how I felt about myself um, through the process of changing jobs. So I use that tool as well. I also am, and this is just kind of like, I've always had faith in the background. Um, I'm a spiritual person. So I connected with some really good people. Um, we lost a couple of really good friends in 2018, the year that we also lost my dad. Uh, that was a hard six months. And I connected with them and we kind of have some similar interests when it comes to spirituality, which really helps. Um, so that can be, you know, you can practice your faith, um, for me, it's holding on to hope. You have to try and find that, that step of hope that you believe that something better or not even better, I guess if it's a, if it's a change that like a job or a relationship, you kind of have to believe that when it comes to grieving a loved one, they're always going to be there you, in your heart and in your soul, but you won't see them. So honoring them. Um, my process through grieving a person is... I try, because I'm a gardener, I try and incorporate them into my garden. I always say my garden tells a story. So I have a cherry tree that I planted when my sister passed away. It reminds me of her and the farm, because we always had cherry trees on the farm. I have lilies uh, here because that was my, my mom's favorite flower. So I have tons of lilies. I have this silver mound that reminds me of my grandpa. You know, you walk around my yard and I'll tell you a story about any of, any of my family members that it's those little things that remind me of them. So that's like a way of honoring them. There's just, there's different ways that you can feel, you can, you can find strength, I guess. So if, like I said, if that's through writing, if it's through music, if it's, you know, there's so many different tools out there. Some people like to work out and they feel, you know, they feel better and in control through that vice, like there's lots of different ways. I use gardening as well because I feel connected to the earth and I feel it calms me. You just need something that kind of to hold on to besides the people that are in your life um, to get you through. All right, so a lot of the things that you said here are just so incredibly powerful and I, I wanna bring it back to the audience because I wrote some things down that are having me really feel inclined to share this with the audience because especially if you're in the in the moment of grief or loss and just processing it I want you to have some real tangible practical things that you can do that could help you so I wrote some things down as you were talking Diana and I want to bring them back to the audience here so the first one is I think that what you said is just to acknowledge it however you're feeling is how you're feeling and what you're going through is what you're going through and it's okay to feel those feelings so just give yourself a break and acknowledge it and, and recognize that you're in a grieving process of whatever kind of loss you're suffering. So just know that, and it's okay to feel, however you feel is how you're feeling, it's okay. 
The other thing that you said was to find things that soothe you. And I think that that's so powerful because music can do that for sure. Like how many times have you gone on a drive and, you know, you've listened to something that lifts you up or maybe you need to cry it out, like you said. So whatever you're feeling, feel it, but then do some things that soothe you and just allow yourself to experience that. You also talked about journaling and I really want to kind of highlight this one because I've done it for at least 30 years I've journaled and as I've coached people over the years a lot of people will ask me well what do you journal and I'll say to them I I don't think journaling is supposed to be this very rigid process for me journaling is about taking what's going on in my mind because I have a tendency to overthink things it's just taking whatever's going on in my mind putting it down onto paper and just by doing that it releases me on some level from my head to the paper and it just it just makes me feel better so where you're at is where you're at and taking those feelings and just writing them down and letting it flow onto paper is a really good idea I think that's a very practical thing that anyone can do another thing that you said was to surround yourself with people who will support and understand so I think that's key because people who haven't been through the type of loss that you're going through may not understand and it actually might be kind of damaging to be around people like that because you're already struggling with how you're feeling and if you put yourself around people who just simply don't understand they won't practice compassion it'll make you feel worse about why you're feeling what you're feeling so find people who have either had the experience and come out on the other side and that could even be somebody you don't know a total stranger like through a podcast or in your circle Look for people specifically who have had the experience that will understand what you're feeling and and get those people in your midst. Spend time with those people. You also said exercise, which of course we all know exercise is good for us. We should be doing it. And I will teach this for as long as I live because Tony Robbins taught me that if you want to change how you're feeling, change your state by changing your physical state. So like the person who's laying on the couch feeling unmotivated and lethargic and sad, if they get up and start doing something, even if it's go for a walk, it's going to shift how they feel. So exercise. I also want to add meditation to that because that's something I've started to practice that helps center me and acknowledge how I'm feeling. So that can be good as well. And a couple other things that you said, um, Diana, is have faith and hope. Like we don't get to control everything. So I think having faith in what's happening and just having hope for the future is something that we can practice and program ourselves to do. And however you do that, however you get your faith, whatever your spirituality or religion is, but just have faith that all will be well and have hope in the future and that there will be lessons in the experience. Uh, You didn't say it, and I'm not sure if you've ever done this, but I have myself. So I wanted to just add this, that getting counseling can be very helpful. And having someone that actually can support you with grief. There is grief counselors out there. There's all types of counselors out there. And I always think that's a really positive step for people to take as well, especially when they're going through something really challenging. And last but not least, what you said was, What blessings have come from it? To ask yourself that. And a lot of times when we're in the challenge, whatever that challenge might be, or trying to go through an experience of loss and grieving something, we may not see in the moment that there is going to be gifts on the other side of it. But if you're someone who's sitting in that place right now, I want to invite you to look back on something that's happened in your life that was really hard. 
like something really, really difficult, something that challenged you and you were challenged by the loss and you were grieving it. And then I want you to think about now how you've gotten through that. And at the time you didn't think you could. And somehow when you look at that challenge, there's probably been blessings in it. The blessings of that experience have made you who you are today. There's different things that may have come out of it, but when it was happening, you couldn't see it. And perhaps that's what you need to focus on now is just knowing that whatever it is that you're experiencing, it's going to have blessings because it has before and it will again. I totally agree. Um, I actually did go see a grief counselor when my sister passed away, um, which was very, very helpful. Um, you know, they just are there to listen. And I've taken, you know, the liberty to make sure that my kids know that if they ever need, if they ever want, it's like going to the dentist, going to the doctor, it's another step, another tool in your toolbox. Um, you know, when you're able to go talk to someone who's not affected by it emotionally, it just gives you a little different perspective on not only yourself, but um, that you're not alone because sometimes we're not comfortable talking with people that we know. Sometimes we feel like we're a burden to them or that we, you know, that maybe they're judging us or that we've been stuck for too long in this one particular place. So reaching out to someone who's a professional can be very helpful for sure. Mm -hmm. awesome. awesome. Great. Great. I'm, I'm glad, glad that you feel, feel the same way as I do. Now, now you, you have, have a, a, a written a book and I know it's coming out soon and I know you haven't spoken a ton about it, but I really want you to tell us about it and why you've chosen to write it. Uh, yeah. So this has been a journey for me. It's taken me quite a while and, um, <laughs> funny because I have to kind of go through my own change slash grief process in publishing it. Um, the book is called Silently Said, and it chronicles my journey through uh, my childhood um, and my young adulthood. Um, I had initially not wanted to release it because my dad was kind of a fearful guy. He lived very fear-based, so he didn't want to be painted in a bad picture. And while that wasn't my point, um, the book is to let people into my life so that they can maybe see some similarities in their own which I'm sure they will, and learn some of the lessons I may have learned the hard way. Um, so it's called Silently Said, uh, which is initially I named it that because my mom and sister were robbed of their ability to speak. So I thought about what their silence taught me. So in their, and their illness taught me really. And then uh, after my dad died, I really realized that silently said is kind of ironic and it's pretty loaded for me. Um, my dad had the ability to speak, but said very little when it came to, you know, his true feelings. I think that's kind of where the alcohol came in. The only way that he could really get honest and open with people was when he, he was drinking. So silently said um, is a very personal journey. Um, Brene Brown, which I know you're familiar with Corliss, and I'm sure lots of your listeners are, she has talked a lot about vulnerability. So I think I'm working through the vulnerability process because this is, this is a pretty big, big book for me. I'm leaving myself vulnerable to judgment from whoever picks it up and reads it, but I'm also leaving it out there for the purpose, for the purpose of growth and seeing how through all of the changes and all of the I want to say left hooks that our family could take that you can still, 
you know, there's still good things that happen from it. There's so many blessings. So it's a book about my healing. Um, it's a book about my heart. Um, it's been a sacred process for me. Um, I have been published by, you know, the Munster College and the uh, Saskatchewan Writers Guild. They have called me an, uh, you know, an exciting up and coming author. So I just kind of have to push past my own, I guess, unworthiness that kind of came from my childhood, which is what I'm working through. Um, and just believe that no matter how it, it does, um, it is going to help people, even if it, if, even if it helps one person and it helped me, you know, it helped me to go through it, but it's also a grieving because when I let that go, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of grieve again because I'm letting something go. That's very personal and close to me. So I'm pretty sure I'm going to go through fear and I'm going to go through some sadness because it's going to bring up all those feelings. If people ask me about my childhood, that might stir up some painful memories, but I'm going to have to just trust and have that hope and faith that it, there's a greater purpose for this. Hmm. I, first of all, I want to acknowledge the fact that writing a book and putting your personal thoughts out there, it, I think what you're feeling is very normal. You have my full support. And what I can tell you from my own experience, this is the person who's gone through this, although the story's different. We, I've gone through the experience of publishing the book and the vulnerability that comes along with that. On the other side of this is something so incredibly magical and freeing for you. And you are absolutely going to make a difference for anyone who reads it. Thank you very much for sharing who you are and your authenticity and your story and everything that goes involved with that. There's been a purpose to all of it. For sure. Thank you. Any final thoughts that you'd like to share on the, this topic in particular before I ask you the closing questions? Um, yeah. You know, when you go through the change, you're not always ready. Um, look, if you look at it after, you can see how you were being prepared for it. You don't always see it right away, but, but it is there. Um, it can be ugly. It can, it's definitely painful, but you will learn some of your greatest lessons by pushing past your fear and going into the unknown. It is uh, uh, full of unfathomable growth and, and excitement. And I know that with my book, like you said, it's scary, but it's energizing and when you go through your grief process, whatever it is, when you listen to your gut and you make that decision from the right place, no matter what, nothing can stop you. Mm, I really like that. And I really like that you said you may not always be ready. You may not always be ready. That's a big takeaway for me, and I'm sure it will be for a lot of people. And somehow, even though you're not ready, you're going to get through it and it's going to be okay. So my closing questions for all of my guests, Diana, is number one, because this is a real leadership podcast, what does leadership mean to you? Leadership helps heal our world through the example we set for others. Um, leadership isn't about everything being right, but a be, about being authentic. Um, I'm actually a leader in my position in my job, and I think that it's important for the leaders of the world to work right alongside everyone else. Don't 
I, I was in a dictatorship before. I was raised by a dictatorship. And I don't feel that that's the way that leaders should lead. You can need to lead by example and you need to sit in kind of the pit with the, everybody else and go through it together. And it's going to build such, such strength in yourself and your team. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. What one book or a podcast do you recommend that everyone must listen to and read? Now, I know that that's a hard question because I'm sure you've read lots and you listen to many podcasts, but I really want you to give like the one that's like everybody should check out right away. I think this one's very relevant because we're going through COVID. Um, I read initially A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle in probably 2008. I've read it, I don't know how many times since. I'm currently reading it again. Um, it's pretty tattered um, from pen and highlighting and you know marking it up quite a bit and just it is very relevant. Um, it, and it really kind of chronicles the process of your ego and how to keep it in check because the ego likes to be in the driver's seat and uh, sometimes we, we're fooled into believing our ego a lot of the time um, and actually during grief you can really go through a lot of that process too why me poor me all of that is usually ego based and while like I said before you can sit there for a while don't build your house there um, but Eckhart Tolle speaks a lot of this, and I would call him our modern-day prophet. He also had a podcast in class that he did with Oprah, and I have gone through that whole course probably four times already as well. So I think it's very relevant for our time. He talks about you know the, the expanding and changing consciousness, and I think that's kind of what we're in right now. So, so give it a read or give it a listen. Can you spell it, Diana, just for the audience, because we're just on audio, of course? Uh, Eckhart Tolle, E-C-K-H-A-R, Tolle, T-O-L-L-E, and the book is A New Earth. Excellent. Thank you. Now, based on everything that's happened in your life, all of the highs and all of the lows, what one piece of advice would you want to leave people with? Never lose hope. Um, Remember that life is transient. It's ever changing. It's like a river. You can go back the next day and it's not the same. It may look the same, but it's not the same. Grief and change are going to change you and you're going to grow. And when you grow, you know, you may lose some people that, that thought that, that you thought you needed, but sometimes you needed them for a time. It's, it's a reason, season, lifetime kind of thing. And sometimes you need people for a reason, a season, and if you're lucky, you get those few people that stick with you for a lifetime and they are true treasures. So don't beat yourself up through the process. Be patient with yourself and treat yourself like your own friend. Mm, that's a great final thought. Thank you again for taking the time to share with us today, Diana. I have enjoyed this conversation thoroughly and I'm sure the audience has as well. Thank you very much. This has been uh, truly an honor, Corliss. I've always admired you and I really respect what you're doing uh, for, for all of humanity, really. Oh, thanks very much. Have a great day. We'll see you soon. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. 
I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.